गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए हरि कीर्तन की जाए को भक्त बिंद की जाए ओ प्रेम आनंदे सो आई आस्क फॉर क्वेश्चंस दिस इवनिंग एन क्वेश्चन यस I'd like to know a little bit more about um, how when somebody becomes a devotee, their body becomes partly material and partly spiritual. That's a great mystery. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu informed Sanatana Prabhu, Sanatana Goswami, about this mystery in Jagannath Puri. And there are also references to it in Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm. they can be drawn from Sanatan Goswami of course is um along with Rupa Goswami kind of the architects of our lineage mm. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and selected them for exoteric and esoteric reasons to hold such a position mm. Uh, esoterically they are th- considered to have descended into this world with uh, along with others but with him and are thus his eternal associates in krishna leela hmm? the words krishna comes as chaitanya mahaprabhu and some of his friends and associates come with him and they take on uh forms that um are bodies like those of practitioners hmm? and roops and often for example they in the spiritual world of krishna leela they have forms of beautiful uh handmaidens of radharani hmm? we call them manjaris the manjari is uh, is like the uh like the blossom of the you know, like you see the tulsi we worship the tulsi bring the tulsi plant in the morning when the seasons right of course they blossom and these beautiful stamens that come out hmm? so um <coughs> as the plant is nourished so are they hmm? radha is sometimes compared to a, a vine a golden vine a champaklata lata is your mother's body mother's name not lata lata baktilata so the baktilata the creeper creeper it's called a vine it, it requires another tree to go up and go around so radharani is sometimes compared to a champaklata which is a golden vine and krishna to a tamal tree which is a very dark tree so krishna's complexion as you know is dark and radha's complexion is golden and radha attaches herself to krishna in love and grows thereby embraces him and uh, sometimes also the example is given that while radha is compared to the vine there are like blossoms on the vine and so forth and as the vine is nourished so too are they so as radha is nourished if you will in reciprocal dealings of love with krishna those who are her handmaidens they're also nourished because they're attached to her service so uh, attending to her assisting her helping to make her union with krishna possible in the context of the leela hmm? and they don't try to have a direct relationship with krishna they figure radha is most dear to krishna let's just serve her and so what radha experiences then they experience vicariously by a connection with her hmm? they get closer to krishna than they could directly hmm? by attaching themselves to Radha's service because no one can get closer to Krishna than Radha. Hmm? It's a very interesting concept, of course. So this is the uh, the blessing of an opportunity to attain such a position that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give along with other possibilities, but this is the farthest reach, so to speak. This is how the jiva can experience the Radha Radha bhav. Hmm? So there are important persons in Krishna Leela Rupa Sanatana Goswami all the Goswami the six of them but Rupa Sanatana were the elders and the leaders amongst them 
So esoterically, they hold a very high, most exalted position in Krishna Lila. And selected for that reason, and for the reason that this esoteric benediction Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was offering, you can perform the kind of sadhana to attain that. through Nityananda to prove other sadhanas and attainments like being Krishna's friends and so forth are also possible. But um, for these esoteric reasons they're selected and for exoteric reasons, the exoteric or external reasons was um, their, um, they were extraordinarily uh, uh, learned, learned and very good in their character and um, 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 great um, uh, students of the Bhagavatam. And they have many, many, many qualifications. They're innumerable. Hmm. Their humility was just heartbreaking to hear it when you hear the narrative of the Leela and, in connection with them. Their humility is absolutely heartbreaking and humbling. Hmm. Uh, so their example very compelling. The, these are the Dili Goswamis, Rupsanatan, Dili Goswami, but we're talking particularly about Rupsanatan. They, um, amongst all of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates, they're also most important to us because they are associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that taught by their example the sadhana. Pundarik Vidyanidhi didn't teach the sadhana, hmm? for example. Um, Connected himself in ways that are difficult to understand. You have to understand it in, inside of him. Is just one example, um, and many others. They, they, they weren't um, exemplifying, as I say, a life of sadhana. Like the practices that we do, they all come from the Goswamis. The dress that we wear, the way we shave our head, have the secret, the way we have a bead bag with a hole in it, and everything, all the details. So all come from Sanatana Goswami. Hmm? in his book, Hari Bhakti Vilas. And he was commissioned to do this hmm, by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he and Rupa Goswami are like the architects of the Sampradaya. I mean, they're founder acharyas, if you will. I mean, you know, they really founded the Sampradaya under the direction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, under the inspiration of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, personally taught them, empowered them. <coughs> Chaitanya Charitamrita Krishna Skabriyaj describes the empowerment of Rupa Goswami for promulgating the teachings and establishing the sampradaya, he compares it to uh, to Krishna's empowering Brahma at the dawn of creation, hmm? which is the beginning of our sampradaya. Hmm? And then Krishna comes again as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has another beginning, and and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is blessing Rupa Goswami, empowering hmm? all the Vedic truths. Tene Brahma Hridayati Kaviye. This is the first verse of the Bhagavatam. Tene Brahma Hridayati Kaviye. It's describing what the book is about, and it says that uh, you know the truths of this book were empowered, um, uh, awakened, infused within the heart of Brahma. Tene Brahma Hridaya Adikavi. Adikavi refers to Brahma. Brahma here, Tene Brahma means spiritual infusion. Tene Brahma Hridaya, the heart, Adikavi. Adi means original, Kavi means poet, learned person. So, one of the ways to translate this verse is that that um, it's concludes satyam param dimahiyavu. I meditate on the supreme absolute truth. Who and it describes him? This is one of the scriptures. Who infused within the heart of Brahma all the spiritual truths that the Vedas and the, and the revelation became manifest and so forth. Right. Hmm? So, however, sometimes it can also be. There's other ways to, 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 to translate Tene Brahmarudadi Kabaye. Hmm? And one of them, for example, is that who infused Tene Brahma, spiritual insight, into the heart of the Adi Kabi Rupa Goswami, who, <laughs> who was a poet hmm? like Brahma was not. Kabi also means poet, and who employed the poetic language, the aesthetic language of the dramas and art, drama and arts of the time to explain Bhakti Rasa. Hmm? to the world. All these terms, stai bhav, sanchari bhav, this bhav, that bhav, it all comes from this uh, secular aesthetics 
They're like rules of poetry and drama and so forth, all about how to bring out emotions in drama. And Rupa Goswami uh, arguably used this framework, hmm, which is a kind of a language describing em- emotion and love, to explain love for Krishna hmm, in different moods and with the different nuances and so forth. So he's a, a poet par excellence. Indeed, when, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu introduced Rupa Goswami to the poets in his association, who themselves weren't necessarily particularly examples of sadhana like Ramananda Roy. Hmm? Uh, they were poets. He wrote Jagannath Balabhanataka and, uh, and Rupa Goswami, and they were they were dignified kind of men in the society, hmm? like Ramananda hmm? uh, uh, and others. Uh, uh, yeah, but Rupa Goswami was uh, was a renunciate and so forth. And Mahaprabhu introduced him in Puri, and he said that the poetry of Rupa Goswami, this is a super excellent, par excellent. He said it's so good, the poetry. And poetry, as I've often said, is a language that blurs the borders between reality and what you think reality could be, bigger than it, you know, it, it, it seems to be. In poetry, the moon can have wings and fly across the sky. Poetry seeks to make the world bigger, which is what we feel. We feel the world is bigger than it is because what we're feeling is our self. He said the beauty lies in the eye of the beholder. So if we look at nature and we find beauty and charm and something like awe-inspiring, we're really seeing ourself in nature. We're animating the world. As I often say, consciousness animates the world. So we, as human beings, this uh, the fact that we're consciousness, not matter, comes to the fore, and then we reflect on the world, and we find it awe-inspiring, and it's speaking to us, really, about ourself, all that we are. We are the more hmm? that could do anything. Hmm? Um, and so we want the world to be bigger, and you know, all things possible, and so forth, because we are bigger, if you will, and all things are possible for the he who, she who, the soul that lives in a world beyond the confines of time and space. These are two huge restrictions, time and space, hmm? and everything in between. You know, you, when you go beyond time and space, then all possibilities. So we kind of have a feeling like that in human society. It's the self coming to the fore. With good instruction, we can learn that that's what's happening and look within and find it. Otherwise, we have some general idea about it and try to find the more by material acquisition or trying to make nature bigger or something like that. And that can be problematic. Hmm? So, at any rate, poetry is a language that lends itself, isn't it, to like blurring the borders between the possible and the impossible. It's kind of a, a language that maybe best poetry, music, art lend itself to uh, uh, explanations of that which is the more. So we find these books, the Gita is a Gita, Bhagavad Gita, it's a song, Gita means song. Hmm? The Bhagavad is full of poems and we're singing and this is... When we have logical uh, exegesis and discourses and and so on and so forth, but they often wax quite uh, uh, poetic and uh, and so forth. So uh, I've often contrasted poetry to math. Math is another type of language. It's a descriptive language, but it's a language that lends itself to the idea and really the illusion of control. <coughs> It's a descriptive language that, that you, you, ah, it works like this. Now I've got it under control. Something like that. It takes the magic out of things, if you will. And poetry seeks to bring out the magic that we are, so to speak. We're magic and that we, 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 we contradict. We, we're the, we are the impossible. 
In other words, we are supernatural by nature. So the supernatural, that's what's called magic, unbelievable. We are unbelievable. And that's said in the Gita. What does it say? Aschargevat. Aschargevat. I can't know. I'm old now. I can't remember all those verses I learned when I was young, like your age. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Aschargevat. The Gita, the Gita says, the soul is amazing. What is it? And more amazing and more something like that. Some think of it as amazing. Some feel it as amazing. Some know it as amazing. It is amazing. It's that's what it is. Hmm? Right. So, so uh, Rupa Goswami was a poet, par excellence, as I say, so much so that when Chaitanya Dev introduced him to other poets, hmm, he said not only is his poetry extraordinary, but even the penmanship by which he writes his poetic verse is extraordinary. He said it, it is like rows of pearls. If you were to take pearls and they're perfectly, they have a beautiful shape to them. If you were to take a string of pearls, it would go like this on the top. His poetry is like this. Mahaprabhu was just lavishing praise on the arguably Adi Kavi, the original poet, hmm? again appearing along with Krishna as Brahma, as the Adi Kavi. Hmm? But Rupa is more than than Brahma is an Adi Kavi. Arguably, the verse is better explained by referring to Rupa Goswami, who was infused in the heart with all of the truths and all of the power to set in motion, establish, along with Sanatana Goswami, to become the architects of an extraordinary lineage that we happen to be honored to be humble members of the Gaudiya Vaishnav Sampradaya Sampradaya means the lineage community family hmm? so <clears throat> in this world hmm, those handmaidens of Radha groups hmm, up they're appearing as Saints, sadhus, acharyas, writing books and explaining. They're showing an extraordinary amount of knowledge. It said, Nana Shastra Vichara Naikanipano Sad Dharma Samstapako, Lokanamita Karanotu Vanema No Sharanyakuro. How their comprehensive their knowledge was of the the entirety of the revelation which they drew from mm-hmm. to establish their doctrine of bhakti. It's incredible, if you're familiar with it, to see their command of knowledge. Um, it means that those handmaidens, manjaris, young girls in Vrindavan, who seem to know nothing about except, you know, taking care of Radha, helping Radha meet Krishna, milking cows and things like this, they have an awful lot of knowledge. Because hmm? when they come to the world <coughs> of ignorance, they appear as saints and they have so much knowledge. Where they're in Vrindavan and they leave, they don't need knowledge there. Hmm? There's no need for knowledge. There's no ignorance there. Hmm? Hmm. So they're just Gyanshunya Bhakti, that is loving. Hmm? It's like the United States is the, has the most powerful military industrial complex hmm? and it's uh, at peace. Um, so but uh, you don't see, we don't parade tanks through the streets on the 4th of July or missiles, and you don't see them anywhere. Where, where is all that stuff? It's all hidden away. Because if it was present, it would be intimidating. Ooh. You, you might be at peace, but you might think, we might be at war at any minute. There's a guy with a machine gun over there. You, know, you don't see that. It's hidden. right? So in Vrindavan, Krishna Leela, the knowledge is, is, is underground, so to speak. It's not necessary. Hmm? So the setting, the appearance is very simple, village-like. Uh, they almost appear ignorant, hmm? the village people. Uh, ignorance is bliss. This is kind of a divine ignorance. They don't even know that Krishna is God 
What kind of people are they? We're trying to teach that Krishna is God. They don't know it. They need a lesson. No, they, they are the perfection. When you learn that Krishna is God, and then you focus your attention on Krishna, you come to a point of loving him, to, to the point that, that his being God is overridden by your love. Hmm? And you enter into the Leela in such a way as the inhabitants there think that you think the way they do. Hmm? Mother Yasoda doesn't think Krishna is God. She thinks he's my son. Sri Dham Subhala thinks he's my friend. Hmm? They're so intimate with God because if you're going to become infinite, inf intimate with the infinite, the infinite is going to have to take in a finite-like appearance in order to facilitate that intimacy. You understand, right? Because if you get close to the infinite, you're going to feel pretty finite. But it's so the finite, in order to facilitate kind of an intimacy between itself and, 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 the, inf and the finite, it takes a finite-like appearance. Hmm? And its majesty and so forth is, 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 is suppressed and the possibility of intimate love uh, arises. Hmm? This is Vrindavan. So there's no, there's no knowledge there. Hmm? It's there. It's under the ground. It's in the ground. Hmm? <laughs> that just like the military power, it's all underground in caves and stuff and mountains. And in the United States, the nuclear weapon. The door opens. And out comes the missile. You know, somewhere in Colorado or something in the Rockies, and and so on. Hmm. So. And I'm saying to you that the, the, the life of Vrindavan on the surface, if you take a look, it looks like, what's that? <coughs> Some people in their village herding cows, and they all like this one kid, you know. Uh, what's that all about? You look a little deeper and hear from the right people, and you just realize, oh, this is an extraordinary plane where knowledge becomes subordinate to the love. But when they come, players in that leela come to this world, which is the world of ignorance, then the knowledge that is inherent in their love, but not necessary, hmm, becomes manifest in a plane where knowledge is required. Here there's ignorance. So we find these village girls, they come here in their spiritual body in the Leela, they come here in a practitioner's body. And man, they have so much knowledge. It's incredible. This is a Naishvarya, an opulence. Hmm? And they're writing all these bhakti shastras and so forth under the under the direction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in their what we call sadaka deyas. They have a siddhadeya, right? A perfect spiritual form in the Leela, and then they appear in this world in a sadaka deya. But their sadaka deya, their practitioner's body, by which they teach how to do the sadhana through their example, it also is fully spiritual. That's the mystery that you're asking about. And at one point it's when we get a sadhaka day, it's partly material and partly spiritual. Hmm? Somehow it becomes fully spiritual. And this is a great mystery. Hmm? And this mystery, as I say, was taught, spoken about, taught by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sanatana Goswami. Hmm? I was talking about Rupa Goswami, Rupa Sanatana. So Sanatana, when Sanatana came to Jagannath Puri, on his way he went through the Jatikanda forest, the jungle. Hmm? And there he contacted some type of um, something in the water that he drank, and his body was uh, broken out with all uh, open sores, pus on the sores. It was very unbecoming, and and um, he wasn't particularly troubled by it, but he was troubled by something else. Hmm? You see his mentality, where he was living, actually. He was troubled by the idea that when he arrived at Jagannath Puri, because of his previous experience, his previous experience was that while he was a minister in the government and the call came from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to join him, he left the government and the, the uh, ruler of the time put him in prison for that. Hmm? And somehow he, he talked the jailkeeper into letting him out. And then he dressed like a Muslim um, fakir, like a Muslim mystic, and, and then walked across the whole subcontinent of India to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm? avoiding being arrested and apprehended by the Muslim government. Hmm? And uh, when he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at Benares, he was—he didn't look like a Vaishnav. 
per se. Hmm? Mahaprabhu said to Tapanisha and Chandrasekhar, whose home are you staying? That there's someone at the door, a friend of mine, let him in. So they went to the door, and there was this Muslim, and he said, just some Muslim beggar, you know. What are you talking about? He said, no, bring him in. Hmm? So they brought him in, and Mahaprabhu saw him and went and embraced him. Hmm? Had so much affection for Sanatana Swami, embraced him, and then told him, dress yourself like a Vaishnava. He shaved his head, he went to the, bathed in the, in, in the Ganges and so forth. And um, so he had this experience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's affection. So while he was coming to Puri, you know, with all these open sores on his body, he wasn't thinking, gosh, I've got all these open sores, it's really problematic, um, it's painful. He wasn't thinking like that. He was thinking one thing only. If I, when I get to Puri, I'm going to see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. When I get there, he's so affectionate to me that he may embrace me. And then all these open sores, they will touch him and that, that I will, that will be inappropriate. I will feel offensive. Hmm? This is his thinking. Hmm? See how centered he was on just the pleasure of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So, he, he reasoned that better when I go, there will be the big Rathiatra. This is the festival where Jagannath, the deity, comes out of the temple. And they have these huge chariots that they put him on, and they're taken through the street. Millions of people come. Hmm? There's Kirtan. It's a very esoteric festival. And it, it, uh, it's a commemoration of the pastime of Krishna. Krishna meeting with the gopis at Kurukshetra after a long time. Hmm? Very esoteric. So he thought, I will go and throw myself under the cart, the chariot of Jagannath, and then I will give up this body. Hmm? Because it's contaminated, and, and, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu might want to embrace me out of his affection, and then I will, I will feel terrible, and so forth. That's how he thought. I will throw my body. So this is a kind of form of Vaishnava suicide. Apparently some people would do it. They would think, I get liberation by being run over by the cart of Jagannath. <laughs> Something like that. You know the term juggernaut? It's a British term. It comes from this festival. Hmm? It's where they got it. It means like a, an unstoppable force that just mows down everything in its path, the juggernaut. Hmm? That's how they, they, they were, the British were occupying India, and that's how they looked at it. They got this unstoppable force that goes out and mows down everything in its path. I mean, it doesn't really run everybody down, but it could, you know. But they didn't really enter into this, the beauty of the whole festival of what it's about. <laughs> the unstoppable force, the Jagannath, is really the force of Prem. He represents Krishna. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would dance in front of the Rath cart, in front of the ch chariot, hmm? in the mood of Radha. And Jagannath has these big eyes that have no eyelids. They never blink. They're just staring at that dancing of Radha. And he's stunned. The figure of Jagannath is like stunned by Krishna in ecstasy. His limbs are stuck in and his eyes are open. And he's seeing the dancing of Radha. And, and, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is dancing with his arms, like he's moving the chariot. When he stopped, the chariot would stop. And it's pulled by, by so many devotees with ropes. No matter how they pulled, when, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu stopped, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't move. They got an elephant put behind it, move, wouldn't move. Hmm? And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu began again, and then it went like that. So, it represents the unstoppable force of Prem that has dragged Jagannath, the Lord of the Universe, as the word means, off of his throne, down into the street, being dragged hmm, by the hearts of the gopis' love. It commemorates taking Krishna from Dwaraka, the city, back to Vrindavan, which is represented by Kurukshetra. So this is it is an unstoppable force. Ahoituki, apratihata, yayatna, samprasidati. That force that is so satisfying to Krishna. Sangsidi, haritoshanam. That um, is uncheckable. Hmm? 
It has nothing internally that can check it. It is a haituki. Nothing externally that can check it. It is a pratihata. Hmm? It is unmotivated. And anything that gets in its way just makes it inflame that much more. Just like the young guy falls in love with a young girl. You try to get in the way. Any obstacle that you put there will only cause it to grow. And you'll, you'll definitely run away then to be with one another or something like that. You can't stop it. Just to give an example. You can, but I mean, just to give some example of the force of, of Prem. Hmm? You lose your mind. Over a young girl or a young young guy, you lose your mind. Are you crazy? Yes, yes, but but I'm doing it anyway. I know I am. I, I, uh, that's the way it works. <laughs> so something like that, but you know, in a divine sense. This is the madness of Krishna Prem. This is Jagannath. And so Sanatana thought that some say the tradition is such that you can throw yourself under the cart and. And so, but then he came, and the Rathiyatra festival was coming within a few days. So he went and stayed at a distance with Haridas, who was from a, from the social religious system's point of view, was an outcast. He was a Muslim, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also embraced him and made him a main person in his uh, in his uh, teaching and his leela and so forth. Anyway, so Rup, the Sanatana Goswami went and stayed with him, and, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came there. He would come every day to see Haridas, to give him darshan. Haridas couldn't enter the temple by the rules of the people, which were they were they were wrong. But um, rather than try to change everything all at once, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu just went to him every day. So anyway, there Sanatana was, and Mahaprabhu told him at the time, with his omniscience, he said, "You come here, and you have this idea." to throw yourself under the Rathiyatra card. Hmm? But I have plans for you, and your body hmm, is mine. And through your body, I plan to, to do many things. Hmm? So you have no right to throw it under the cart. It's not yours. Hmm? It's mine, he said. And then he gave the teaching, he said. That at the time of initiation, hmm, one gets a... Gets a uh, um, let's say, uh, one's body becomes chidananda. Hmm? One gets a spiritual body. It means he's talking about this practitioner's body. Hmm? The time of initiation, one gets a sadhaka day, a spiritual practitioner's body. Hmm? And and of course he speaks about the spirit of initiation also. Also, hmm? when one gives oneself over entirely. This is initiation. People sometimes talk about formal initiation. We have nothing to do with that. Formal initiation, we have nothing to do with that. Substantial initiation happens before the formalities. I'm compelled. I feel. I feel like my my good my fortune lies here in taking good advice and counsel, and I feel the affection of the teacher, and so I'm captured. I give myself. It's a heart giving. Initiation has already begun. And it takes some time. Then then it'll be the formal recognition of that. And then it'll still go on until the sambandha, the knowledge that is the complete conceptual orientation to bhakti, that fosters bhakti, is fully in place. When it's fully in place and realized, then the bhakti is fully informed. We call that bhava bhakti, bhakti in ecstasy. That bhakti will then bring prem. So in sadhana bhakti, or bhakti in practice, this initiation is ongoing. Hmm? The full effect of it, so to speak, is is something that's being cultivated because it constitutes, as Sanatana, as Mahaprabhu told Sanatana, complete giving of oneself. So we, we, we give ourselves a little enough, we get some faith, it's been awakened, by the by the by the guru, we're inspired by his or her character and uh, knowledge and bhakti and so forth, and then gradually we see it more and it comes within us and so on and so on. So this is the spiritualization of the sadhaka deha, which is the same as 
this is the 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 kind of like um, the uh, the the culture of what initiation is about. Initiation is under the under the jurisdiction of sambandha. Sambandha means knowledge of relationship. It means what what how things relate to one another, how the jiva. The soul relates to matter, how matter relates to the soul, how matter relates to God, how all things work. Hmm? Hmm? And that's on higher levels also. Hmm? Relationship with Krishna, between the jiva, a particular relationship. All this sambandhagyan, conceptual orientation. Hmm? Initiation comes under this jurisdiction. so. It is the imparting of the sambandha, if you will. And uh, siksha is said being how to, how to apply that in so many ways. Um, so, but siksha gurus may also give sambandha gyan, which, not just abhidei tattva, but anyway, the point is that, that Mahaprabhu says this, that when at the time of initiation, when one fully gives oneself to Krishna, one becomes they become one, they become on the same page. So as much as that happens, as much as we've, so to speak, realized <coughs> what initiation is, and that is as much as our practitioner's body, the sadhakadeya, will become spiritualized. Body is made up of senses. <coughs> the senses are in touch with sense objects. Hmm? Right? That's what makes the body material. You have to have a different idea of material. We think this is material and this is spiritual. Where is it? And this is material. Hmm? I'm giving a different idea here. Hmm? We have a body made up of senses and the contact of the senses with sense objects with an idea conceived in the sense, the sixth sense, the mind, of enjoying the sense objects for the pleasure of the senses, that's material. Hmm? That's what material consciousness is. It's a consciousness. Everything's a consciousness. How's that? Hmm? Material life is a consciousness. It's a perspective. Hmm? This is the perspective. I'm the enjoyer. And I am this body hmm? and mind. So the world is for me to enjoy and the senses are contacting the sense object. It's not working very well. But <laughs> that's to, to tell us something. You're going about it the wrong way. So, when we get the practitioner's body, when we get initiated, we're taught, now use your ears for hearing the kirtan of Krishna, for hearing the instructions about Krishna. And if you listen carefully, then when you hear the frogs, you'll hear them saying the same thing. Hear it? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Eventually, the point is this. The Guru is a focal point for us hmm, to absorb our senses in. We absorb our ears in hearing from Him, hmm, our tongue in, in, in repeating what He says, hmm, and offering some appreciation our eyes and seeing how he conducts himself, that we may learn also how to do so, our touch and assisting him, our legs and so forth, that's what we do. Hmm? It's, a focal, it's a focal point for us. Krishna has come to us in that way to be just personified the teaching in our self-interest. Hmm? When we focus there entirely, hmm? then when we turn to the world, we find the whole world is saying the same thing to us. We were reading it wrong. We were trying to take the world for our own mentally conceived purpose and it's not cooperating with us. Hmm? There's a disconnect. But when you no longer exploit the world for your mentally conceived purpose, but you, you serve the Guru and therefore you use everything in the world for the service of Krishna, which is intended, then the world says, hey, it's working. Now, you, you understand? You, I, that's what I'm for. Because the world, maya, matter also belongs to Krishna. It doesn't belong to me. Hmm? It doesn't, the whole world doesn't feel comfortable fitting inside of my mind. Hmm? It's all inside of Krishna's mind. 
when we try to put it in our mind, it's going to resist. Hmm? So when we focus on the teachings of the Guru with our minds and senses and so forth, effectively, <coughs> eventually we find we turn in the whole world, so we find it's all cooperating. Hmm? The beginning will be like, I've got to focus here because the world is over here. That's the beginning. Hmm? And gradually this, uh, this changes. And then, what it, because like, for example, what did the grass say to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? What did the trees, they spoke to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what did they say? The grass said, be humble, like us. You see? People step on us, what do we do? We just go, hmm, no problem. Not fighting. Hmm? The tree stands, it may rain, it may become hot, it may become cold, hmm? and in the rain, the tree tolerates and gives you protection from the rain. In the heat, it tolerates the heat and gives you protection, shade. Even in the winter, in the cold, if you get close to a tree, you'll get warmer. Hmm? So the tree is, said to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you should be tolerant. Hmm? Tolerant to the point where you're, you're tolerant of apparent injustices to the point that you can even be compassionate hmm? to those who appear to be opposed to you. It's only an appearance. Hmm? People come and violate you, you know, you have to think, well, they're taking away my bad karma. Now it's going away. Hmm? How nice. Hmm? They're the instrument of that. I respect them so much. Thank you for that. <laughs> you take a picture of our so-called enemies and put them on the altar, offer incense. How they're showing me not to be. How, how thankful I am. What a good instruction that is. You see? So in this way, the world spoke to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about sadhana, just like the guru would. The trees, the grass, hmm? and so forth. Eventually he saw the river like Jamuna and the hills like Govardhan and so forth. So this all comes about by the proper focus on that um, most substantial way in which Krishna has come to us as a focal point, that means the Guru. So we use our senses and our mind, which our body is made up of, in a different way. We still may interact with sounds and sights <coughs> and tastes and so forth, but with a different consciousness and mind. Hmm? So you can be in the world, but not of the world. Hmm? Like a lotus, sometimes the example is given in the Gita, like a lotus. Lotus grows from the mud hmm? and the bottom of the lake, hmm? but it sits above the water very beautifully. You don't think of mud when you see a lotus. Hmm? You just think it's such beautiful, and it's, it's above the water, sitting on the water. Hmm? So it's in the mud, but it's not mud. It's quite different than the mud. It grows out of mud, so we're in the world, but not of the world. Hmm? This, is the, this is the idea. That's what it means to have the sadhaka deya. That means to fully... You have the, the body that you have... Hmm? With the through, the through the initiation and the Guru Parampara, now you have this connection and you have the teachings how to spiritualize your body, which is made up of senses, as I said, by using them in a different way than you have been since, since forever. It has a very different effect. And so that body becomes eventually infused with and moves under the influence of a different influence. Under the, under the influence of a different influence. It moves under the influence of a different shakti. It's no longer moving under the maya shakti, constituted of tama, srajas, sattva, the modes of nature, the gunas that are binding. Guna means like rope, it binds us. But rather under the influence of the ladini, sandini, sambit, the elements of, the, of bhakti, the srup shakti, that governs the whole lila. You understand? So this comes into the body of the practitioner, and then as he or she cultivates that, eventually that's the driving force. That's why he may look like everybody else, gets up, eats, goes to sleep, does that, but the, but the motive behind it, what's 
is very, very, very different. It can always be traced out. Therefore, it said, Vaishnavera Kriyamudra Bhignina Bhujai. Difficult to understand the Vaishnava. Hmm. We could find a superlative Vaishnava, but he's not necessarily overtly spiritual. What, what one might think was overtly spiritual. For example, what might you think was overtly spiritual? Well, having nothing material. After all, Swami says, matter doesn't matter. So, I just go barefoot. I'll go naked. I don't want anything. I don't, hmm? But in bhakti, we could use all things in Krishna's service. We could have all kinds of things. But we, we, we are not... They're not using us. You understand? Like, uh, they're not attachments to things. The attachment is for, to Krishna. And for the service of Krishna, well, if I have to have things, if I have to have a computer, I'll have one. It doesn't matter. If I don't have to have one, I don't need one. Hmm? But I could, by using all material things in Krishna's service, you take the material kind of idea out of them, in effect. You follow? Hmm? So, therefore, the Vaishnava may act in ordinary ways, but his or her motive might be very different. Some very different. Sometimes we see it. We think, oh, that's why he did that, and he was thinking of Krishna in that way. And, huh, interesting. Hmm. And it might have looked like something else to, so to the un, uninformed. Hmm. So it's all about motive, if you will, in a sense. So this is how this. Uh, the, the material body becomes kind of spiritualized. It moves only for the purpose of Krishna eventually. So if you come in touch with that, you're going to be spiritualized like that. Like the deity. The deity is made out of, the, for example, made out of stone here. Hmm? So, But if you approach it properly, you don't get the experience that you're, 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 you're worshiping a stone. You find out uh, that Krishna is present. This is amazing. Hmm? You have this experience, and you experience it yourself. You're different from your body, and it's very powerful. Another example of the book, like the Bhagavad Gita, it's made out of paper and ink, right? So that's just a material thing, but if you read it carefully, and you follow it the way it talks about, you'll worship this book. You'll think, oh, the Gita. Yeah. Right? Because it's transformed your life. So is it material or is it spiritual? It's, it's a meeting place between the temporal and the eternal. So the sadhaka deya becomes like that. The practitioner's body eventually becomes like that. A meeting place between the eternal and temporary. It's temporary in a sense, hmm? but it really speaks to us only about eternality and it helps us to, to enter into that. Hmm? So which is it? Right? It's the meeting place between the two. Now, what we have is a sadhaka deya. In the beginning stage, then, Sometimes your senses are going to be distracted, and you're going to find yourself doing things that constitutes being under the grip of the senses rather than having a grip <coughs> on the senses and using them only to grip things for Krishna. Hmm? So you find yourself distracted, and then you call yourself back. So it's an art, a practice, hmm? whereby eventually your senses are fully controlled. Hmm? Like... The Prabhupada was very powerful in, in regard to one feature of his body in particular, and that was his, his eyes. If Prabhupada looked at you, it was like super penetrating. Hmm? You could understand, he has a certain type of vision, Baladev Vidyabhushana speaks of it in the, in the Gita, some devotees have this, this power to bless by glancing and so forth. But also, it was it was very it was like it was like his, his senses were so controlled that all of that control was completely focused on one thing: the eyes. And he looked at him, it was like, it was so it was very. He just wouldn't look just anywhere. When he looked, it looked right into your soul, and something like that. So, it's it's a, even though the, his senses were active. All types of things, eating and speaking. I mean, it's not every time he looked at you, you but he had that. I mean, I sat and talked probably lots of times. He looked at me and we're talking, but sometimes he would look at you and just go, hmm, like gosh. You know, it was very, very, uh, very powerful. So, my point is that a person may be using their senses, apparently in relation to sense objects, but only for the purpose 
of Krishna and that they have perfectly controlled senses. When you perfectly control your senses in your mind, you have some power. Hmm? When you're under the control of your mind and senses, you're powerless. You're just being taken here and there, and what you are is, is lost to you. Prakriti kriyamanani gunai karmani sarvas. The body's just flapping and moving like a chicken with its head cut off and there's no, no meaning to that. Hmm? So the art of controlling <coughs> the mind and the senses, this is also central to bhakti, which is a yoga in a sense. But we do it in a very different way. We don't do it by fasting, but by taking prasadam, which is a lot easier. <laughs> and uh, by singing, chanting, so forth. Hmm? which all involves using the senses. And uh, we have them. They have a purpose. Are they not to be used? Or do they have a proper use? There may be a misuse. Then we say, well, I don't, I won't use them, but is there a proper use? That's what Krishna Bhakti is, the proper use of the senses. Does that help? Yeah. Something about the sadhika deha. <sighs> of course, then Mahaprabhu embraced Sanatana Goswami. Hmm? After he gave him his instruction about the sadhakadeha, and I plan to use your body, you can't throw it under the Rathiatra cart, chariot, I have plans for your body. When hmm? Sanatana acquiesced, you know, whatever you say, I have embraced him. Just like he thought, oh no, now he's going to embrace me. And when he, and he said, I'm embracing you because because you have come before me, Krishna has sent you like this in this condition. Krishna made you in this condition to test me. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went into the mood of being a devotee. Hmm? He's Krishna. Sometimes he's in the mood of Krishna, sometimes in the mood of I'm a devotee of Krishna. He waxed into the mood of a devotee. He said, I know it's why you're here. Krishna caused you to get that disease because you're his devotee. You're only doing his service. So whatever happens to you, Krishna must have arranged it. Looks like one thing, but Krishna's arranged it. Why is he arranged it? To test me. See what kind of devotee I am. Hmm? Because if I think, oh, his body looks contaminated, I don't want to touch it, hmm? then I will <coughs> make offense because your body is, is only used in Krishna's service. Hmm? Krishna's testing me. Hmm? So we, if we see the body or even the disposition of a very advanced Vaishnav, hmm, mental is part of the body. He's not whatever, cool or whatever. You know, we, we should try to see what is his devotion, actually, you know, and not be... Um, otherwise we may make offense when Mahabharata said, Krishna's testing me. Then he embraced him. And then what happened? All the sores disappeared on his body. Hmm. It's very mystical. Hmm. All right, so what's the time? All right, we stop there. She, she, Sanatan Goswami Prabhu Ki Jai. Prabhu Goswami Prabhu Ki Jai. Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Sisi Goradha Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanandai.